باب الجمع في السفر بين المغرب والعشاء joining جمع joining في السفر while traveling joining which prayers بين المغرب والعشاء the maghrib and isha prayer now remember there is two types of jamr jamr taqdeem and jamr ta'khir jamr taqdeem what does taqdeem mean to bring forward to do before right and what is ta'khir to delay Alright? So, Jamr Taqdeem is to join the prayers at the time of the first prayer. Okay? So, for example, if you're joining Zuhur and Asr, for instance, Jamr Taqdeem would be to perform Zuhur and Asr together at Zuhur time. Alright? If you're joining Maghrib and Isha, Jamr Taqdeem would be to perform Maghrib and Isha together at Maghrib time. What is Jamr Ta'khir then? To delay. That you join the two prayers and perform them at the time of the second prayer. So, Zuhur and Asr, you perform together at the time of Asr. Maghrib and Isha, you perform together at the time of Isha. So, there's two types of Jamr. So, joining the Maghrib and Isha prayers. حدثنا علي بن عبد الله قال حدثنا سفيان قال سمعت الزهري عن سالم عن ابيه قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يجمع بين المغرب والعشاء اذا جد به السير he said that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would join the maghrib and isha prayers when اذا جد به السير when he was in a hurry while traveling right so for example If they were traveling, it was Maghrib time. Alright? Now technically they could stop and perform Maghrib. But if the Prophet ﷺ would be in a rush, then he would not stop for Maghrib. Rather he would continue the journey and then join the Maghrib with Isha. Which jammer is this? Ta'khir. Alright? وَقَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ بْنُ طَهْمَانَ عَنِ الْحُسَيْنِ الْمُعَلِّمِ عن يحيى بن أبي كثير عن عكرمة عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يجمع بين صلاة الظهر والعصر He said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would join the ظهر and عصر prayer إذا كان على ظهر سير when he would be at the ظهر of the journey What does that mean? Hmm? What does that mean? What does ظهر mean? Back. Meaning when he would be traveling. Okay? وَيَجْمَعُ بَيْنَ الْمَغْرِبِ وَالْعِشَاءِ And he would also join between Maghrib and Isha. So this is the evidence that we can join ظهر and عصر together and that we can join Maghrib and Isha together. وَعَنْ حُسَيْنٍ عَنْ يَحْيَ بْنِ أَبِي كَثِيرٍ عَنْ حَفْصِ بْنِ عُبَيْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ أَنَسٍ عَنْ أَنَسِ بْنِ مَالِكٍ رضي الله عنه قال كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يجمع بين صلاة المغرب والعشاء في السفر. He said the Prophet وسلم would join the Maghrib and Isha prayers while traveling. وتابعه علي بن المبارك وحرب عن يحيى عن حفص عن انس جمع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so these ahadith prove that a person may join prayers while traveling right yes yes we'll just get there okay good question now the question is that if you are allowed to join the prayers while traveling Is this permission restricted or is it unrestricted? 
What I mean by that is that is it unrestricted in the sense that no matter what situation you're in, whether it's easy or it's difficult, you join the prayers. Like for example, you travel to a different city and you're staying at your sister's house, let's say for three days. Right? And you're at home all day. Okay? You're at home all day. Now technically you're traveling, you can shorten the prayers. Right? You can join the prayers also because a musafir can do that. But you are at home, at her house. Right? So, should you perform zuhr at zuhr time and asr at asr time? Or can you join the prayers? You understand? Meaning, joining the prayers, is this a permission only in a situation where it would be difficult for you to perform the prayer at their times or can you take advantage of this permission even if there's no difficulty for you you understand the question right the issue here because sometimes what happens is that you are staying at your sister's house and it's dhuhr time and everybody's getting up to pray dhuhr but you say i'm traveling i can join right i can join and everybody looks at you but what difficulty do you have in performing dhuhr right now right and you say no but i'm traveling i can join with us later so is this permission restricted to a situation of difficulty or is it unrestricted? Meaning you can take advantage of it anytime while traveling. This is a question, right? Because then you feel guilty. Well, I'm home all day. I mean, and if I'm joining prayers, should I really be joining prayers? And if you're joining prayers and people look at you like you're doing something that's not that good, what's the issue then? Right? So there are two opinions. There's a difference of opinion on this. Some scholars said that this is restricted. This is muqayyad. This is restricted. This is only for when a person is on the road. Okay? They said that the permission to join prayers is a ruhsa. This is a permission only for the one who is on the road. So for example, while you're driving you can join the prayers. While you're sitting in the plane, you can join the prayers. But once you reach your destination, they said that you can no longer join the prayers. You understand? This is one opinion. Why? They said that because salah has to be performed at its proper time. إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا There are set times for the prayers and you have to perform the prayer at their set times and this permission to join the prayers is only because it would be hard to perform the prayer at its time while traveling. Okay? But other scholars said that no, it's not restricted. This is unrestricted, meaning it is mutlaq. That's the term. It's mutlaq. Meaning when a person is on the road or they have stopped somewhere, or they have reached their destination, as long as they fall in the category of a musafir, they can join their prayer. So as long as a person can shorten their prayer, they can also, they can also join the prayer. And this is more correct. Why? Because there are many supporting proofs for this. What are the supporting proofs? Firstly, we see in a hadith which is reported in Abu Dawood, Musnad Ahmad, that the Prophet ﷺ joined prayers when he went to Tabuk. Well, of course he would join the prayers because he was on the road for so long. No, but it is mentioned 
clearly in the hadith that when he had stopped, meaning when he had camped, where he had intended to camp, where he intended to stay for some time, there also he joined the prayers. Alright? There is another hadith in Bukhari in which we learn that Abu Juhayfa he said, that I went to the Prophet ﷺ at noon while he was at Al-Abtah in a tent. This is in Makkah. Alright? So he said that I went to him and he was in the tent and Bilal who came out of the tent and gave the adhan. And this is of course for Dhuhr. Alright? He gave the adhan. And then he went back into the tent with water for the Prophet ﷺ so that the Prophet ﷺ could perform wudu. And then after that, the Prophet ﷺ came out and he performed two rak'ah for Dhuhr and then two rak'ah for Asr. So he is joining the prayers, Zuhr and Asr, at the time of Zuhr. And where is he? Abtah in Makkah, right? He's staying there, he's not on the road. You understand? And he is joining the prayer. And this is reported in Bukhari. So what does this mean then? Can you join the prayers? When you're at your sister's house? Staying there for like two, three days? Can you join the prayers? Yes, you can. Even if you're at home all day? Yes, you can. Are you doing anything wrong with that? No, you're not. So basically, this is left to the traveler to decide. If you want, you can join the prayer. And if you want, you don't have to join the prayer. You understand? And the reason is that as long as a person is traveling, right, they are in need of some ease. Why? Because... You know, when you're not at your own house, you're at somebody else's house in a different city, different time zone. Doesn't that affect you? Right? I mean, you're jet lagged for the first week anyway, isn't it? When you go to a different country, you're jet lagged. And then if during the day you have to get up after every two hours or three or four hours to perform your prayer, you're never going to get that proper chunk of sleep. Right? So this is a convenience that is given to the traveler. However, remember, and this is specifically for a man, if the masjid is nearby, right? If the masjid is nearby, and the man hears the adhan, then he has to perform the prayer in congregation. You understand? He has to perform salah in congregation. And to do that, he has to go to the masjid and perform the prayer at its right time. And in full also. Because safar does not remove the obligation of performing salah in congregation. Okay? Yes. Yeah. This is something that was discussed earlier also, but uh, in Bukhari also, earlier we learned in the chapter of prayer that you are allowed to join prayers even in hadar. Okay? What is hadar opposite of? Safar, when you're at home. What does it mean by that? When you're in your home city, you are allowed to join the prayers. You are allowed to join prayers in a situation of extreme necessity. Okay? Extreme necessity. Like for example, bad weather. There were times, this is reported in Bukhari, that because of rain in the masjid, prayer would be joined. Why? So that people don't have to come. You know, they made it to the masjid with so much difficulty. Right? And now they performed salah. Now they're gonna go back and then come again. 
Right? Likewise, we learned that once one of the companions, he was addressing the people. This is also mentioned in Bukhari. He was addressing the people, giving them a lesson. It was Maghrib time. And he continued teaching to a point where people could see the stars in the sky. What does that mean? What does that mean? It became really dark. Like Maghrib time was clearly over. And the people got upset with that companion that you are delaying the prayer. And he said that I know better than you. Basically, this is what he said that I know better than you. You don't need to teach me the deen. Basically, he said that this is something that the Prophet ﷺ also did, that he would join the prayers sometimes out of necessity. Because think about it, this is a huge crowd of people, right? And he's got their attention and he's teaching them an important lesson. If he's going to break from Maghrib, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to disperse and go away. Alright? And then he's not going to be able to gather the crowd together and then teach them again. Right? So this is the reason why he delayed Maghrib until Isha. Okay? So when there's a situation like that, you can even join the prayers at home for the purpose of convenience. Not that it should become a habit though. Remember this. It should not become a habit. The Sahaba did it sometimes, not all the time. Not every week, every other day. Oh, it's just convenient for me to join Dhuhr with Asr today also. No. You don't do it all the time. Yes. Yeah, you could. Again, if it's an extraordinary situation where you're not able to stay and pray Maghrib before leaving, right? You know that the drive is going to be like at least 45, you know for example rush hour time in the winter. Right? If you wait until Maghrib, by the time you'll get home, it'll be very late. Right? And then if you leave right away, then by the time you get home, you will miss your Maghrib. Right? Now this is a, not an everyday situation, a unique situation in that, yes, you can join Maghrib with Isha. Okay? But it should not be a daily habit that if a person works in Etobicoke, for example, lives in Mississauga, so every day as they're leaving from work, they say, you know what, today also I'll join Maghrib with Isha. I'll join Maghrib with Isha. No. This is in a situation where a storm is expected tonight, for example. And if you wait till Maghrib, you're gonna get stuck on the road for like two, three hours. You're on your own, driving by yourself. Your family is at home. Your children are, you see, an extraordinary situation where you're stuck. Alright? So over there you can join the prayer. Somebody else raise their hand? Did you want to ask something else? No. No. When it comes to Asr and Maghrib, you cannot join them. While you're traveling, you perform too. But if you're at home, like for example, you're just going from Etobicoke to Mississauga, then no, you have to perform Asr full. On time. Okay? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. What it means is that men, when there's more than one man, right? When there's two men, then they are required to perform salah in congregation. Okay? So it's an obligation upon a man to perform salah in congregation, unless it is not possible. So even if there's father and son at home, Technically, they should be performing salah together in jama'ah. Alright? So, when a person is traveling, right, then are they exempt from praying in congregation? No, they're not. They're still required to pray in congregation. Okay? Somebody else raise their hand from the side? Yes, you have a question? 
Okay, good question. That if you are traveling and you visit a mosque, right, and the imam, the local imam is going to lead the prayer and he's going to perform the full prayer, what are you going to do as a traveler? You're going to pray behind the imam and you're going to perform the full prayer. Okay, so now it's the other way around. If, let's say, there is a very knowledgeable person, they're traveling, they come to your town, they're traveling, they come to your town, and you request them, please lead us in prayer. Alright, it's Luhur time. Now, they're traveling, how many rakah are they supposed to perform? Two. How many are you supposed to perform? Four. So how do you do this? The imam will perform two rakah. Okay? When he will say the salam, what will you do? You will get up and perform two more. What's the proof of that? Umar radiallahu anhu visited Makkah. Alright? He visited Makkah and he led the people in prayer. And now there were all sorts of people behind him. Residents and travelers. Okay? So when Umar radiallahu anhu finished his prayer, which was two rakah, he said, O people of Makkah, get up and complete your prayer because we are traveling. We are traveling, so we're only going to perform two rakah. You are not traveling. You have to perform the full prayer, so you get up and complete it. Alright? One of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ was asked that if a traveler performs the prayer on his own, he shortens the prayer. Right? Two instead of four. But when he's praying in congregation, he's performing the full prayer. You understand? So what's going on? He said, this is a sunnah. This is a sunnah. If the traveler is praying on their own, two rakah. If you're praying with the local in jama'ah and they're leading, then you will perform four rakah. And if you are more worthy of leading and you lead them in prayer, then you perform your two and they will complete their four after the salam. Okay, so for the duha prayer, we learned that there is the minimum of duha prayer is two rakah. Okay? And there is no maximum for it. You can pray as many rakah as you want. From the way of the Prophet ﷺ, it is proven that he performed two, he performed four, and he also performed eight. And for eight, there is only the narration of umhani. And in general, Aisha anha reported that the Prophet ﷺ would perform four in general, in the morning at that time. And there is the hadith of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, actually Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, who said that my close friend, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, advised me to do three things: to fast three days of every month, to pray two rakah of duha, and to pray witr before going to sleep. All right. So there is also proof of two rakah. So two, four, six, eight. Twelve, it's up to you. How many ever you want. Alright, let's continue. Bab number 14. Bab, هَلْ يُؤَذِّنُ أَوْ يُقِيمُ إِذَا جَمَعَ بَيْنَ الْمَغْرِبِ وَالْعِشَاءِ Now, the issue of performing prayer while traveling in congregation. Alright? So, when there's a group of people traveling together, okay, it's time for prayer. Is it necessary to make the adhan? Is it necessary to give the aqama? 
is it necessary to pray in congregation? Or can each person just pray on their own? Hmm? When of course there is more than one man, then jama'ah has to be performed. Salah has to be in congregation. And yes, adhan and iqama should also be pronounced. Why? Because this was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. There are numerous ahadith that tell us that while traveling, when the Prophet ﷺ performed prayer with his companions, there would be adhan and iqama. So for example, there's a hadith in Bukhari in Kitabul Adhan, the book of Adhan, that Malik bin Huwaydith, he said that two men came to the Prophet ﷺ and they intended to travel. The two men intended to travel. So the Prophet ﷺ said to them that when you set out, give the adhan and the iqama. And the oldest of you should be the imam. So how many people are traveling here? Two men only. And what did he advise them? When it's time for prayer, one of you should give the adhan, iqama, and then the older one should lead in prayer. So even for two. There's another hadith in the same chapter in Bukhari that Abu Dhar anhu said that we were with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey and the mu'adhin wanted to give the adhan. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, let it get cooler. So basically he wanted to give the adhan for dhuhr. And it was really hot at that time. So the Prophet ﷺ did not wish to stop at that time and pray. So he said, just wait a little bit, let it get cooler. Then again, the mu'adhin wanted to give the adhan and the Prophet ﷺ said, let it get cooler, wait a little bit more. Then again, the mu'adhin asked the Prophet ﷺ, this is while they're traveling, can I give the adhan? And he said, let it get cooler. Until when the shadows were long, then the Prophet ﷺ allowed him to make the adhan, iqama, and then he led them in prayer. Okay, So this shows us that adhan should be pronounced while traveling. And there's another hadith in which we learn, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri said, he said to a man, that I see that you love sheep and the desert. Right? I see that you really like to be with your animals in the desert, away from people. When you are among your sheep or in the desert, give the adhan and raise your voice when doing it. Give the adhan, and when you're giving the adhan, don't say it softly, raise your voice. No jinn or man or anything within range hears the voice of the mu'addin without bearing witness for him on the day of judgment. And Abu Sa'id said, I heard this from the Prophet ﷺ. So while you're traveling, right, in a group or as a family, and you know, you stop at some random place, right, and then there's trees and there's you know, rocks and a ravine and whatnot. So you're going to perform salah there anyway. Have your son or your husband or whoever, encourage them to give the adhan also. Because whatever hears the sound of that adhan is going to witness for them on the day of judgment. Right? So the adhan and the iqama. Now what if prayers are being joined? So for example, maghrib and isha are being performed together. Right? While people are traveling. So, adhan is pronounced. And now, iqama is also given for maghrib. And now they want to perform isha. Do they give the adhan again for isha? Do they? No. One adhan is sufficient. And two iqama. 
Okay? This is proven from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. In a hadith in Muslim, we learn Jabir عنه, reported that while traveling once, the Prophet ﷺ, he performed Maghrib and Isha bi-adhanin wahidin wa-iqamatayn. One adhan and two iqamas. حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني سالم عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا أعجله السير في السفر He said I saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that when he would be in a hurry while traveling يؤخر صلاة المغرب that he would delay the Maghrib prayer delayed until when? Of course عشاء حَتَّى يَجْمَعَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ الْعِشَاءِ Until he would join it with Risha. قَالَ سَالِمْ وَكَانَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَفْعَلُهُ إِذَا أَعْجَلَهُ السَّيْرِ Salim said that Abdullah bin Umar, he would do the same thing when he would be traveling. In a rush, this is what he would do. وَيُقِيمَ الْمَغْرِبَ فَيُصَلِّيهَا ثَلَاثًا Then he would perform Maghrib and he would perform three rak'ah for that. ثُمَّ يُسَلِّمُ Then he would say the salam. Then after remaining for a short time, حَتَّى يُقِيمَ الْعِشَاءِ Until then he would perform عِشَاءِ Meaning after some time, he would perform عِشَاءِ فَيُصَلِّيهَا رَكْعَتَيْنِ And he would perform two rak'ah for عِشَاءِ ثُمَّ يُسَلِّمُ Then he would say the salam and the prayer وَلَا يُسَبِّحُ بَيْنَهَا بِرَكْعَةٍ And he would not perform even one rak'ah extra between Maghrib and Isha. Meaning, no voluntary prayer. وَلَا بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ Nor did he perform a prostration after Isha. And what is meant by prostration is one rak'ah. Right? Salah. Meaning, after Isha, also he would not perform any sunnah. حَتَّى يَقُومَ مِنْ جَوْفِ اللَّيْلِ Until he would get up in the middle of the night. And what is this for? Voluntary prayer, the hajjud prayers. Right? So what do we see over here? Maghrib and Isha is being joined together. Now there is no mention of iqama adhan over here in this hadith. But there are other hadith which prove that there is adhan and iqama. Alright? But what we do learn from this hadith is that when you're joining the prayers, it is not necessary to perform the second prayer immediately after the first one. You understand? It's not necessary to perform the second prayer immediately after the first one. So for example, you perform Maghrib. You perform Maghrib and you intend to perform Isha. Is it necessary that you don't do anything in the middle, nothing at all, and you just get up right away and you perform Isha? Or can you go eat dinner, come back and then perform Isha? Can you do that? Like for example, you delayed Maghrib until Isha time. Okay? It's no longer time for Maghrib, it's Isha time. It's Isha time, you performed three rakar for Maghrib. Okay? You performed your salah, and what happened? You intend to join the prayer, right? With Isha. Now what happened? You, as soon as you finished, the people whose house you're staying at, they call you. Can you please come for dinner? It's nice and hot, ready. Come now. So, can you go and eat dinner? and then come back and perform Isha? Or because you are joining Maghrib and Isha together, you must perform Isha at that time. No, you can go, eat dinner, come back and then perform Isha. Why? What's the proof of that? You see over here, ثُمَّ قَلَّ مَا يَلْبَثُ 
Then after a short time, after a short time he got up and performed Isha. Alright? This is known as Muwalat. This is also a term, Muwalat, which means to join or doing things consecutively right after the other. So when you're joining the prayer, Muwalat is not necessary. When you're joining the prayer, Muwalat is not necessary. This is an important concept that we should understand. We also learned that another proof of this is that at Hajjatul Wada'ah, the Prophet ﷺ, he delayed Maghrib until he reached Muzdalifa. When he reached Muzdalifa, he performed Maghrib, and then after a short while, he performed Isha. There was another Iqama, and then they performed Isha together. So it wasn't that everybody's still sitting, and then as they're sitting after Maghrib, immediately the iqama for Isha is said, and then they perform Isha. No, people dispersed, there was another iqama, people gathered together, and they performed Isha. Okay? حَدَّثَنَا إِسْحَاقَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الصَّمَدْ حَدَّثَنَا حَرْبْ حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَى قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي حَفْصُ بْنُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ أَنَسٍ أَنَّ أَنَسًا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَانَ يَجْمَعُ بَيْنَ هَاتَيْنِ الصَّلَاتَيْنِ فِي السَّفَرِ يَعْنِي الْمَغْرِبَ Anas radiallahu anhu reported that the Prophet would join between these two prayers meaning Maghrib and Isha. How would he join them? Taqdeem or Ta'khir? Alright? Both ways. Alright. 